0: As a people of God, we'd be defined by your love. We'd be defined by your goodness. We'd be defined by your kindness, Lord. And we'd understand you're the God that wants to encounter our lives. And that as we encounter you, you begin to release the revelation, Lord, that you've called us and chosen us in this city to be an encounter of God to others, Father. We pray this in your mighty, wonderful, beautiful name. Amen. 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 How are you feeling,
1: church? Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's uh, lift up our God, because our God is worthy of praise, yeah? yeah? All right. Let's go. If you were born with two hands, do this. There we go. Awesome. Praise you, Lord. I come before you i
2: come before you jesus with thanks and praise
3: Good to rejoice in God and let, before you take a seat let's just close our eyes and just think about some of the things we can rejoice about now if that seems hard it's really actually quite easy because you just take back to think of every tiny sin that you've ever done and the big ones and you say thank you God that I am forgiven thank you that Jesus that you died on the cross and you rose again and by believing in you I am forgiven thank you that you've taken away my sin Lord I rejoice in that Lord, we we come together this morning and we look to you and we rejoice in our salvation and your forgiveness and in the transformation of our lives. God, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, why don't you say hi to someone beside you and then grab a seat. Welcome to church this morning, welcome to Activate Church, my name is Josh, and uh, if, now, if you're a visitor with us this morning, then uh, welcome, welcome, and we've got a, um, a pack, this is one of these white bags you can pick up just in the foyer as you head out, so as you head out through the doors later on, just to the right there's a table, grab one of those white bags, It's one of these ones here, are there any visitors, if you can just give me a wave so we know, yeah, hey, welcome to church, welcome to church, another one, fantastic, make sure you grab one of these just out in the foyer, it's got a coffee card in there. And, and um, if you're looking for a church, we'd love to grab your details. It's just a card to fill in and then um, and then drop it back to us. That would be great. But welcome. Welcome to church this morning. We've already got the kids out. In Kids Church, they're having a blast already. And so um, so we don't need to send them out, but we've got um, birthdays and anniversaries. Who's had a birthday this week? You can come down and join me down the front. Anyone had a birthday or wedding anniversary? We've got any. Are you coming? Yes, we got a birthday. It was at a wedding anniversary. Birthday, happy birthday! Anybody else? Oh yeah, of course, Ray as well. Come on in. You can't skip out on this one. So here, we here we go. Grab yourself a chocolate. Any other birthdays? Don't want to miss anyone or wedding anniversaries. We got another birthday. Excellent. Here we go. Yeah, what? Twenty-eighth. Oh, very good. Did you send each other happy birthday messages, or did you forget? Yeah. Well done. Okay. Hey, we're going to pray this prayer of blessing. So if you stand to your feet, church, we're going to pray a blessing over these ones. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Grab a seat, guys. So, Pastor Sheridan is speaking at Activate Papakura this morning. So, he's, uh, he's up there speaking in their services. And we have uh, Ray Andrews coming to church next week. Uh, so, make sure you. So, Ray Andrews, if you don't remember who he is, just think Irish accent. Sometimes you sit there and you think, what was that sentence? But overall, it's just fantastic the stuff he brings. So, he's at uh, all services, all services next week. Where is Tony? Tony's going to bring a scripture reading for us this morning, so come on, Tony.
0: Thanks, John. So I'd like to uh, bring a psalm, uh, and Nari um, said I wanted to read the psalm. I said, "No, you can't, (laughs) Nari." So this is a favourite psalm, Psalm 23. Um, In this, at this time, uh, there are there are no fences. So that when the shepherd uh, looks after the sheep, he actually walks in front of the sheep, and the sheep follow because the sheep know his voice. He calls the sheep. And in verse 5, the rod is for guidance, and the staff is for rescue. So this is the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You honor me By anointing my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessings. Surely, goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Just take time to contemplate these verses as they are put up overhead. Please uh, distribute the emblems. I'd like to, uh, I've been invited, having the privilege to take communion. So, when you pick up a book and read it, you want to know a little bit about the contents, who the author is, and in the preface, the author will outline some of the story and will often talk about relationships with people who have inspired, challenged, and encouraged them to continue to write and finish the book. Family members have often sacrificed time and relationship with the author so that the book can be finished. This is a good book. It's about motorcycling. Hugh Anderson, he's a four-time champion motorcyclist in New Zealand, possibly the greatest motorcyclist we've ever had. I thought Sheridan might be interested in that one. So communion is a time when we come together and we share a simple meal of bread and wine, or in our case, juice, which are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus. For me, there are two main concepts in communion, and that of sacrifice and relationship. Sacrifice is the principle that forgiveness of sin requires the shedding of blood, and it starts in the first recorded history that we have with Abel's sacrifice, which was pleasing to God. In Psalm 51, david realized that sacrifice was not the only thing that was required in fact after he had sinned with bathsheba he knew that he had to a change in his attitude and a change in his heart and in psalm 51 he says the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart O god you will not despise and the verse before that he said you do not Want sacrifice, else I would give it to you. So, God sent Jesus, his son, as a sacrifice for our sin. And this demonstrates the principles of justice and of mercy and of grace. God decided to have mercy on his people, to send his son, his only son, as a sacrifice for sin past, present, and future for the whole world, every person living in the world. And I think last time we had communion, it was demonstrated the uh, difficulty that Jesus went through with the sacrifice. So Dr. Marilyn Griffiths reminded us of the pain and the sorrow and the agony that Jesus went through at the time before he went to the cross and on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8, we read that Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And the Passover represents when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And it says, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Let us therefore keep the festival Not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast. And yeast represents sin here. Bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. So in addition uh, to this sacrifice, there is also relationship. And communion is about the relationship with God, recognizing our sin and what we think or we speak or we do to others saying we are sorry to God and realizing the cost that it meant to God and to Jesus and at the last supper in, in 1 Corinthians 11:23 to 26 we read the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread until he comes so the relationship that we have is not only with Jesus vertically but it's with horizontally with each other and that relationship is with our family our own personal family our blood relatives but also with our Christian family here and sometimes we need to put things right with our family sometimes we have things against other people within our a Christian family and within our own family. So, in order to put things right, we need to talk about it with them and meet, need to make a decision that we're going to put things right. So, when you take communion, feel free to share that communion bread with someone next to you, maybe, or in your heart say, I'm going to put things right with that person. So please eat and drink in your own time with those remembrances.
1: Name of Jesus, come on. Let's declare in this place this morning, Lord. We glorify your name, Lord. You are holy, you're worthy to be praised. We lift you high, Lord. Where, where we have put you to the side, Lord, we, we reinstate you, we put you first, Lord. We glorify you in our lives here in this place this morning. Yes, Lord. Glorify.
2: your name be lifted up and glorified. Let the earth trample at your name.
4: Let your name be lifted up and glorified.
1: This morning, what we dare declare, glorify
4: glorify
1: Just the church. we put you first we glorify you
5: trust in me don't lean on your own understanding
6: Isaiah said trust in the Lord God for he is the eternal rock Father we thank you we can come into your presence and lean against Jesus confident and secure in his loving embrace in his presence and in his power Thank you, Lord, that you're for us. Thank you, Father, that you're with us. And you have promised never to leave nor forsake us. So we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man can do to me. Because, Lord, you're with us hallelujah we praise you church let's begin to lift our voices and express our thanks and our praise to jesus lord we exalt you we praise you lord mighty is your name worthy are you lord to be praised to be exalted to be honored we love you lord mighty mighty is your name we give you thanks lord for the awesome god you are Hallelujah, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher, the completer of our faith. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Awesome are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the freedom we have to worship you in this country. Lord, we don't take it for granted. It's so easy just to treat it as the norm, though. But, Lord, we give you thanks for this city and this nation that we can serve you and express our worship to you. May your name be exalted in all this land. And may your fame be spread far and wide. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, great to see you this morning. Give your neighbor a high five as you take a seat. Thank you, team. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to try and attempt to sing this morning, which I'm just going to say, just listening to Sarah, I go, oh, my word. (laughs) I'm going to give it my best shot, though. Look at Wendy when I sing, yeah. But I am going to try and sing just a few lines, so uh, be ready for that, and uh, please don't laugh at me. But um, but anyway, here we are. Well, I trust you're doing well. It is great to see you. Over this year, we have been focusing and continue to focus on expressing the goodness of God, and we've heard some wonderful testimonies throughout the year. I think of last Sunday morning, when Alan Hall um, shared about how he and the Property Link team um, went and mowed um, a neighbor of, of somebody's lawns. The lawns were overgrown and they did some work there and they said hello to the person in, in the family and this connection was made and they, I think they played with them and they're going to continue to mow the lawns at no cost and just bless them and express God's goodness. And I went, yes! I had to contain myself so I didn't jump out of my seat. I was just, oh yeah, baby, just bring this on. It's so good. And then Ashley Bennett shared in the 6 p.m. how she was in the supermarket, and uh, she saw somebody there, and she said, I'll I'll pay for your groceries. And I went, oh yes, there's God's goodness again. And not only was she doing that, she... She said, I'll help you to prepare some of your meals. And so this relationship has developed. And I go, Oh, wow. People all over our church are expressing God's goodness. I remember Jackie Hazelden sharing she was visiting somebody in the hospital. And there was another woman across the, the room. And she went over here, struck up a conversation with her, prayed with her, and led her to the Lord. And I'm going, This is so good. Our city has been touched with the goodness of God as we are out there. And here's the thing. This is for everybody to share with anybody. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, this is for everybody to share with anybody. Not too close, Beth and Caleb, I see that. (laughs) They were almost like this with one another. (laughs) Very nice, though, I might add. But sharing the goodness of God is for everybody here to share with anybody. And this year, I'm looking at the book of Philippians at how we can express the goodness of God. So let's pray. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for the opportunity for us to come together this morning and look into your word. May your word look into us, filling us with life, filling us with truth, replacing fear with hope, doubt with faith that we can become more and more like Jesus, that whenever, wherever, we'll be like Him, expressing the goodness of God to make your name famous. And everyone said, Amen. I'm going to give you a brief recap. Who can remember what I said about Philippians last time? Okay, that's really impressive. No one can. (laughs) Thank you, church. I feel really, really good. (laughs) All right, I'm going to give you the recap in a bit more detail. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote 13 or 14 epistles or letters. And um, each of these letters has a different tone or a different emphasis. In the book of Romans, Paul is the meticulous expounder of the doctrine of salvation. He really gets into it. In, In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in particular, the Apostle Paul, he's a troubleshooter. He's sorting out problems in the church. And you go to First and 2 Timothy and Titus and those letters. And the Apostle Paul, he's the father uh, um, figure who's gently guiding, directing these younger men into ministry, seeing them mentored and growing and developing well. And then we come into um, the book of Galatians. And there is the angry apostle who has founded this church on the grace of Jesus Christ and he goes away and comes back, and he hears that they're now no longer walking in grace, but they're walking and earning their salvation through the works that they do, and in particular for the works of circumcision. And he gets really, really angry about this. And he lashes out in Galatians 5.12, and he says this, I just wish those troublemakers, troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcisions, would mutilate themselves. Incredibly strong and powerful language. But we get to the book of Philippians. He's not angry. He's not shooting, troubleshooting or anything like this. He's happy. Turn to your neighbor and say, be happy. Paul is never so happy than when he gets to the book of Philippians. He's the optimist. He's upbeat. He's triumphant. It's a very personal book. He is just in a chilled place. So it's a great book to read. So if you are not reading many books in the Bible and you want to feel good, go to the book of Philippians. But it's not because he's, you know, life is going so well for him. It's not because he's living up on you know, the sunshine and the surf and enjoying nice beaches. Far from it. He's actually in prison. And in prison, he writes four letters, one to the church at Ephesus, where we have the book of Ephesians, we have the book of Galatians, we have the book of Philemon, and then we have the book of Philippians. And so he writes these four letters. And so I'm going to ask um, if Grant can put up the slide. So here we are, joy for the journey, walking the journey with joy. And so um, here we go. I'm going to show you where uh, Philippi is. So here's Israel. Shall I... um, I'll just get out of the way over here. So when um, in Pentecost, in the book of Acts, chapters 1 and 2, you see the Holy Spirit was poured out, out, and Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people are saved. And the gospel moves up north of Israel through Syria into what is called Asia Minor in biblical times. Now we call it modern-day Turkey. So the gospel is going north, and it goes west. And uh, Paul is up in this area of Asia Minor. He's going through places like... Um, Ephesians and Galatia, Galata and, and, and uh, all of this sort of thing, and he's, he's traveling north, and the Lord says to Paul, hurry up, hurry up and get into Europe, and Paul says, I want to preach in places like Bithynia, and the Lord says, hurry up, you can't go there, and you can't go there, and he comes to this place very close to Philippi in Asia Minor, and it's called Traos, and it's not too far from Gallipoli, actually, and um, Here's a vision of a man in Macedonia, where, which is where Philippi was in the region of, and he, this man's saying, come over. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 15 and 16, and I really encourage you to go to Acts 16 in particular, and read all the story about how the church in Philippi started. And so he jumps in a boat and sails off to a place called Neapolis, and then walks 15 to 20K, and comes to this place called Philippi. This is the first church that's ever planted in Europe. Isn't that amazing? The first church planted in Europe, and Paul's there. And God gets Paul out of Turkey, out of Asia Minor, and onto European soil, into the strategic place. And Philippi is a very, very interesting place. It's a Roman colony. It um, is where retired army generals and military Uh, People from Rome were relocated into Europe, and uh, this area was a full Roman colony. It was self-governed, and guess what? They paid no taxes. I reckon I'd like to live in a colony like that. What about you? Paid no taxes to the emperor. They had the same culture, the same rights, the same language, the same dress as the people in Rome. And uh, you can look at the um, ancient Philippi, just we'll go to the next slide. Here's a couple of slides how it looks today. This is ancient Philippi. And that big area in the front there was what they called the forum where they would have public debates and discussions. Next slide. There's another one. And we'll go to the next slide. And this is a city called Kavala, which is very close to Philippi. It's 15 kilometres northwest. So this is what is populated now. No longer um, is it Philippi as what it was known about 2,000 years ago. So Paul visited Philippi in about 50 AD on a second trip. And as I said, you can read about it in um, Acts 16. And he met two very important people there. A lady by the name of Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She sold gold cloth and material and garments. And uh, um, so she was very, very astute as a businesswoman. And then she, and Paul also met a jailer. So these were the two people that started the, the church in Philippi, along with Paul and his co-workers. So um, <clears throat> that's all very good. So Paul um, was there in Philippi. And then after about 10 years later, uh, he wants to, to go back and see how they're doing. And so Paul finds himself uh, in prison. And one day he gets a knock on his door. And it's a man by the name of Epaphroditus. It's a bit of a long name, isn't it? Epaphroditus. He knocks on his door. And Paul goes, who is it? He says, it's Epaphroditus. Now Epaphroditus has just travelled 1,400 kilometres All the way from Philippi over to Rome. Epaphroditus has walked on dusty roads, sun scorched, he sailed ships, he's probably ridden donkeys and camels and got very, very sore along the way. And he turns up to Paul and Paul's delighted to see him. But uh, more than uh, um, the gift of Epaphroditus being present, he gives Paul a parcel and guess what's in the parcel? Anybody want to guess? I'd be very happy for anybody to do this to me, so money. Lots of it. And the church at Philippi, and Paul, out of any other churches in the New Testament, highlights this as the model church, that they come to Paul, they are partners with him financially by sowing money, that Paul doesn't have to work so much so he can go and preach the gospel, and Paul says, you're my partners, They stand with Paul in prayer, they stand with Paul in trouble, and in this book of Philippians, more than any other book in the New Testament, the word joy or rejoice is used 16 times in a short book. And so um, Epaphroditus didn't have a very good journey. In fact, he almost died on his way to getting to Paul, and Paul writes a letter This letter that we have before us now, this letter that's about 2,000 years old and gives it to Epaphroditus and says, go back to the church and this is what you're to read to them. And so we're going to pick up what Paul says. And Paul lays down some really important keys that I want us to focus on this morning. And they are the three keys to build great relationships. And Paul models this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 in particular, but it also goes through to verse 11. And he identifies three important keys to build great relationships for great churches. And I want to really encourage us this morning to really embrace the things that Paul is saying here so that we can build on great relationships in our church and be, if you like, a model church like Philippi. That Paul set apart as a model and said, These guys have set the standard and set the bar, ensuring the goodness of God to the people around them. So, these are the three things that he identifies in verses one, uh, uh, three to five. We're going to have a look at them, we're going to go a bit further as well. He says, Give thanks, pray with joy, and understand partnership. So, if we can have the next slide, and so I'm going to um, just first of all lay out a few pr- important principles about um, relationships that Paul identifies, and we're going to have a look at um, Philippians 1, chapter 3, verse, uh, 1, verse 3, shortly. So thanksgiving is vital for, healthy, for life, giving relationships. If you want healthy relationships and you're not using the word thanks, it's not going to be the quality of the relationship that you could have. It's a choice to say thank you to people. The next point, thanks... Uh, Thanksgiving acknowledges source. And I use the word source with little s and big s. Wendy, this was fantastic, brought me breakfast and bed for my birthday yesterday morning. It was lovely. Eggs and rissoles and avocado and little tomatoes. Nice cup of hot tea. Just imagine if I never said thanks to her. I can tell you right now, it would not be good. <laughs> it would be very bad. But I said thanks. So I acknowledge the source, little s. And as believers, God invites us to acknowledge the source, big s, which is himself in everything we do. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Thanks, Grant. The Next slide. Thanksgiving amplifies emotional connection. When Wendy gave me this lovely meal, I felt, I felt loved. When, she thank, when I said thanks to her, I'm sure she felt appreciated. She's nodding, so I know that's right. <laughs> so uh, emotional connections are very important in relationships because they either go foul or they go well, and Thanksgiving is a key to doing that. And the fourth pan- point, thanks, Grant, You can try and look for healthy relationships and say, well, some of my relationships are not that good. Don't go looking for them. Create them. Create them. Be in the place where you create great relationships. And Paul shows us how to do this. So I've got a question for you. How do you be happy in relationships? How do you be joyful? Is it... Having more money, more influence, a better job, what's it about? It's about these three things, about being thankful, about giving thanks, about prayer, and about partnering. So we're going to go to the next slide, thanks. You ready for my song? Okay. I read this verse Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it unto now. Verse 3, every time I think of you, and I read that several times, I thought, wow, what great lyrics for a song. And this is what I came up with. Oh, this is embarrassing, Wendy. Every time. How do you do it, Sarah? Um, Every time I think of you, I want to see you. I want to be with you. I would walk planks just to say thanks, because I want to be with you. Well, there's my song written. And I, thank you, thank you, and I thought, I'm going to Google that line because surely somebody's written a song about it, yeah, and they have, but they haven't used my words, so I thought, okay, well I'll stick with those ones, so they're good, so there we go. So here's the thing, psychologists, sociologists, and others have studied and studied that grateful people are much happier than less grateful people. The Word of God talks about it, and, and a lot of the stuff I'm going to share this morning, you'll go, I know this, but are you doing it? Are you doing it? And I look at the stuff and I go, yeah, I know this too. And am I doing it is the challenge this morning. If you are going to be more grateful, you'll be happier. If you're going to be less grateful, guess what? You'll be less happier and have less joy in your life. So to have great attitudes or or great relationships starts with a great attitude around gratitude. So we're going to have the next slide, thanks, Grant. So be grateful for the people in your life is point number one. Are you grateful for the people in your life? Are you grateful for your husband? or your wife, your children, your work colleagues? Okay, you're not. <laughs> I can tell some of you are not. <laughs> Should I ask that question again? Okay, here we go, round two. Are you grateful for your spouse? Good, are you grateful for your children? Are you grateful for your work colleagues? Oh, that wasn't so enthusiastic, was it? I can tell. I've, found, I've discovered this in marriage. When I'm grateful for, for Wendy, I'm a lot happier. And I'm sure it goes the same for her as well. It's very, very important to be grateful for one another. The thing is, when you know people for a long, long time, it's easy to take them for granted. And you know more of their faults. I've just discovered a couple of faults that Wendy and I have had in in just recent weeks. Do you want to hear what they are? Wendy's getting really nervous right now. (sighs) Okay. You want to hear it? Okay. It's all right, darling. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all right. We haven't had an electric blanket for 20 years. Yeah, how's that? We've put up for the cold for 20 years. And the reason why is about 20 years ago, we did have an electric blanket. And one night... Uh, I think it was Wendy rather than me, smelt something burning in the room. She's got a far more sensitive nose than what I have. And I sort of dismissed it and said, no, there's nothing. Well, we woke up in the morning to find this hole about this deep in our mattress that had been caused by the wire of the electric blanket. So electric blankets were banned. They were gone. But we finally weakened this year, and we've got one. But here's what I've discovered. So, at about six o'clock in the night, well, I'll run upstairs. And I'll flick the blanket on. Yeehaw! we're gonna have a warm bed. So we'll jump into bed, 9.30, 10, 10.30. And, and Wendy will ask this, um, did you put my blanket on? What a confession! I'm sorry, <laughs> but it goes both ways. <laughs> so we've got something to work on, and uh, rather than you know, and when you get get to know people well and take them for granted, while, rather than being so grateful for Wendy and she being so grateful for me, all, the first thing I'll think about she doesn't turn my electric blanket on. <laughs> Isn't that true? Yet She makes me these beautiful meals. She's in a fantastic wife, an amazing mother, and I can draw my attention to whether the electric blanket is on or not. <laughs> do you know, <clears throat> it's really, really interesting. <clears throat> there were two ladies that were having a conversation, and uh, one, one lady said to the other, do you remember the time your husband did such and such was something negative? And the other woman, the wife of the husband, said, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Isn't that a good repro- a good approach? And here's the thing that can happen so easily for us: our memories are selective. You can select to focus on the negative stuff, or you can select to focus on the stuff to be grateful for. And the Apostle Paul. Can we just go back to one uh, the previous slide? Thanks, Grant. <clears throat> Every time I think of you, I give you thanks. Paul planted this church. This was written in about AD 62, thereabouts. Ten years before Paul had planted this church. It was probably the roughest church plant he had ever done. He was hassled. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He had um, problems with a demonic girl to deal with. It was a real rough yard. And to top it all off, in the middle of the night, there was an earthquake. And to top that off further, the city leaders said, Paul, get out of our city. We've had enough of you. Go. It has a really tough time. So when he writes this, every time I think of you, he doesn't write these songs, does he? I like, can just I want to be with you. I want to see you. <clears throat> he doesn't say, I remember the day that your city leaders put me in prison. They whipped me. They beat me. They treated me accordingly. I'm not really interested in your city, by the way. Just get on with it and leave me alone. He could have written that. But he selectively puts it aside. He's not repressing it. He just pushes it aside and goes, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking on the good. I am choosing that. And the Lord gives you and I the same thing. What are you selecting? Is it the negative or is it the positive? You choose. And the thing about what Paul is modeling to the church in Philippi, Paul is putting his hand up and saying, yeah, rough things have happened to me. I was in prison. I was beaten. I was humiliated. But I choose to select the good. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm going to focus on that. And here's the thing. And psychologists and sociologists and others, and the Word of God says this. What you focus on magnifies You focus on the good, you focus on what you're grateful for, it will magnify. You focus on what you complain about and grumpy about and upset about, guess what? That gets bigger. And what I've noticed too, when I think about the good things and continue to practice that, I tend to just forget the negative things. And I wonder, and I don't know this because the Scripture doesn't say Paul could have forgotten a lot of the bad things that had happened to him simply because he's choosing to be grateful and give thanks. I think he's a top man. He's a good man. And so he's choosing not to live with the the negative memories. Do you know what Paul could have done? He could have held on to those whippings, those beatings, that imprisonment, that humiliation, and said in his heart, I'm not letting you guys off the hook. Is there somebody today that you're not letting off the hook? Is there somebody that you're holding on to that you need to let go? Today is the day to let it go. As I was preparing this, I felt really uh, reminded of a story that happened to me, and, and, and I felt I should share it with you. Um... It goes back a long time ago, uh, almost 40 years ago, long time, when I was 12 or 14. Um, I should say only um, 20 years ago. But uh, <laughs> it's what happens when you roll over another year with your birthday. Um, but this is what happened to me. My mother um, went and saw her doctor. She wasn't well. And uh, she saw her doctor a number of times over a number of months, and um, her doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. And uh, she knew there was, and she kept on going to see him until um, I, th- I think my dad said, you've got to go somewhere else, which he did. And uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. And um, we didn't have her for very long, and she, she passed away. And I can remember thinking, what happened? what would have happened if that doctor had diagnosed her properly and hadn't dismissed it? And I remember being confronted one day saying, let it go. Take the hook out. Release it. Very important. The moment I did that, it released me. And so I hope that helps somebody this morning. So the big thing about memory is we choose. Choose to focus on the things we're grateful for or the things that we're not. Here's the thing about selective memory. You might only think it's you that are selective. But guess what? So is God. God is selective in his memory. And I am so happy about that. <laughs> because it makes us all feel a lot better. Do you know what he's selective about? Let me read it for you. There are a number of scriptures. Uh, Psalm 103 would be another one that says very similar. But Isaiah 43, 25. It is I... I who wipe out for my own sake your offenses, your sins, here it goes, I remember no more. The Lord's been, he's selecting. He's going, I choose not, I distinctly remember not remembering them. Very distinctive for him. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, verse 12 I think it is, so I've removed or separated your sins. I mean, the east from the west, it's a long, long way. And I'm sure the Lord is saying, I distinctly remember casting the memory of your sins so far out there in, the, the, um, in space, they're all lost. I don't know where they are. I'm never going to ding them up. So why don't you just forget about them as well? Why don't you just forget about them knowing that they're covered by the blood of my son and live in that freedom. So here's a key of how to develop a selective memory. We're going to, let's focus on selecting the things we're grateful for. So take two or three people in your life that are close to you. It might be your spouse, your children, a work colleague. And why don't you do this during the week? Write five things down that you are grateful for in their lives. It's a key for building great relationships. Next slide, thanks. Grant, um, second point there is remember the best and leave the rest. So that's about selecting the right thing to focus on. So, next slide, thanks, Grant. Verse 4 Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. So, those few people that we're expressing our gratitude, do you know the people that come closest to you can really annoy you sometimes? They can, eh, Roach? Yeah, I know, it's tough. <laughs> He's a good man. He's very good. He's a great man. I, I found this, that sometimes when I feel nudged to pray for people that maybe are not my relationship's are not going as well as I should. In fact, just, just imagine this right now. Think of somebody that irritates you or you don't get on too well with. Now, don't look at them. Just think about it. <laughs> I'm pleased you didn't look. Here's the thing, are you praying for them? It's really easy to go, they should do this. They should do that. They shouldn't be late for this. They should have had that to me. They should be doing whatever. Whatever. But if you turn that round to I'm grateful for them now I'm going to pray for them well I think that begins to change things because I've learned through my life I cannot change Wendy I've tried and it doesn't work and she's tried to change me and she'd probably say don't work either <laughs> she's not nodding or anything but she's become the most beautiful person. So I wonder if I've changed a bit. But here's the thing. God can change us. And prayer works. And so here's the Apostle Paul. He's, he's lighting out these great things for relationships. So it's giving thanks, and then it's praying. So let's just, um, we're going to have to flick a couple of more slides. Thanks. Um, yeah. So this is how Paul prays. He's praying for his friends at Philippi, and he goes like this in verse nine. "I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Now just that person that irritated you or upsets you, which you're not looking at, just imagine if you begin to pray like this for them. I pray for Joe Blogs, that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. I feel different about them already. Paul goes on and says, For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Next slide, thanks. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So Paul is outlining a few key things When we pray for people. You can pray for your wife like this, or your husband. You can pray for your children. You can pray for your pastors. Please pray for your pastors. Man, do we need it? (laughs) I love this thought when somebody says to me, I'm praying for you. Man, do I appreciate that. When somebody says, I just want you to know I'm praying for you, I want to say thank you. Highly value that. And just imagine these people at Philippi were going, not anybody is praying for us. The Apostle Paul is praying for us. Or we can just pray like the Apostle Paul by praying these four areas. You can pray them for your partner, your children, your friends, your work colleagues, your neighbors. These are the four things, and I've just read them. Pray that they will grow in love. Love for God, love for others. Pray that they will make wise choices. Pray they will live with integrity and pray they will become like Jesus. Where have I heard that before? Whenever, wherever, be like Jesus. And expect the best from people. Man, time is running out. I'm going to go really, really fast. I'm going to put the gas on and we're going to do this in two minutes. Are you ready for a fast ride? Okay, here we go. Put on your safety belts. The third thing that Paul does, so he talks about giving thanks. He talks about praying for people. Then he says, you're my partners. The Greek word for partners is koinonia, and it's a very, very rich word. It means to share in common. It means to commune. It means to have fellowship. It means to be on the same page. And Paul is saying, you're my partners. You're on the same page as me. And that same page is expressing the goodness of God. Everybody to anybody. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Let's all be on the same page of expressing the goodness of God. Everybody here expressing it to anybody. In 1 Corinthians 1.9 it says, Yes, God will do this for He is faithful to do what He says. And He has invited you into partnership, koinonia, with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Partnerships. I could say a lot about it. The partners that you choose, your life partner, marriage partner, is really important. The way you partner with your children is really, really important. Let's put up the next slide. Thanks, Grant. Take care in who you partner with. It has the potential to make you or break you. Your partnerships, your relationships, connections are very important. Make sure they're godly ones. Team together, everybody achieves more. We're a team. We're a body doing the work of God. And finally, let's put up the last slide. I really enjoy rowing. When I was rowing, <clears throat> we looked like these guys, and I'll never forget this day. we were rowing in the boat. We were. It looked good from the outside. But man, I felt every time I put my oar in, I was pulling eight people, including myself. I was doing all the work. That's how it felt. And the next person beside me probably felt the same. Although it looked as though it was in unity, and I remember the coach who was in his boat beside us, here we were, we were rowing, and he was in his motorized boat going up and down the water, just drinking his lattes out of his boat, yelling things at us. And he yelled this at us. Now, we looked really good. But he said, you look like a pig's breakfast. And then he said this next thing, row as one. And the moment he said those words, something shifted in the atmosphere of us as a team. The boat just lifted out of the water, and rather than rowing as eight individual people, we were now rowing as one. That boat lifted, and the power went on, and that thing was flying through the water. When we see ourselves as one with Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, whenever, wherever, be like Jesus to share the goodness of God, man, our city's going to be changed for good. God's going to be pleased. Our relationships are going to be healthy. And we're going to be on a good walk on a journey filled with joy. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. So thanks for listening. And God bless you, and you have a great week. Whenever, wherever, be like Jesus, sharing the goodness of God. Thank you, church.
3: What an awesome message, Pastor Ray. That was good. So just before we just go, great, that's over, okay, just pause. Okay, out of all that Ray just said, what are some things that you're going to apply this week? Just pick one thing. What's one thing? Is it thankfulness? Is it working, resolving a relationship somewhere? Is it praying for someone? Just pick one thing. What's one thing that you're going to do before this week? Look back at your notes if you took notes. What stood out? Awesome. hope you got that one thing. That's good. Well, thank you. It's been a great service. Now, uh, for the guests, remember to grab one of these bags just on your right as you leave the foyer. Uh, And church, remember to be purposed in our giving. So there's the giving stations in both foyers. uh, And if uh, I just prefer to pay my internet bankings or or AP, so um, just grab the account number and be purposed in our giving. So uh, this week, make sure you're doing that. And... I think that was it from me. What's the time, do we have time for a song? Yeah, let's, can you guys lead us in one final song? And then there's the crossover cafe afterwards. Does anyone feel like rejoicing?
1: Put your hand in the air if you've got something to be joyful for, something to rejoice over here. Yeah? Got a couple of us, why don't we stand to our feet? Let's rejoice. why don't we declare this morning, lift your voices. Thank you, God, for all you've done. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise this morning. We walk out of this place with you on our shoulders, Jesus in our hearts, Lord, spreading your goodness to the city of Hamilton. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, church. Have a great week.